Blog Talk Radio. having a good night so far. Um, tonight we are having a discussion called, I was about to say Paranormal Roundtable. Oops, it's Psychic. Psychic Roundtable because... It is a little paranormal. Yeah, it is a little paranormal. So many people have so many questions about psychic mediums, the different types of psychic mediums. Um, so I wanted to put together a roundtable discussion about that just to clarify and rectify things, um, how do I put it, to just, I guess, help people understand more that not all of us are the same, because I've run into that problem a lot, um, and I'm sure y'all do too. So, and then, of course, Every day. yeah, David Flowers, <laughs> David Flowers is our open-minded skeptic, so it's perfect. Yeah. Because he has a hard time sometimes with little psychic mediums. So it all works out great. Just, just sit there and look pretty, Dave. It'll all be okay. I, I don't have a problem with psychic mediums. I have a problem with people who say they're psychic. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm, I'm on Dave's side. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And, 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 I, and I do this.
conversations a lot of the time. And uh, it's not that I announce that I'm a psychic medium, but people want to tell me stuff about the place that I'm supposed to work. And I have to tell look, I'm a psychic medium. Let me discover, and then we'll try to But that, But that. that's different. I know what he's yeah. saying. We get it a lot at well, – we don't, we don't get it that much like we used to at the manor house where people would just walk in and <laughs> fantasize it. <laughs> I have gifts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I don't say anything. And when we do the tours, David doesn't say anything either about what I do because it it just takes away from things for one. But I just he just doesn't do it. I don't want it done because I like to listen to everybody else's bullshit. It's perfect. I know, right? <laughs> That's why it's so hard for me to watch like paranormal investigations on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, because when you're in the chat and you've got somebody who's verified, most of the people that I go and, and, and watch what they're investigating, um, they know me. I've worked with them before. I've proven yeah. myself to them. So they yeah. they kind of have this um, understanding that I'm legit and I'm not pulling their leg. But then sit there and chat and there's people like, oh, my God, I feel a demon around. Uh, I'm a psychic. Yeah. And I'm like. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I hate Kimberly. Yeah. Yeah, Kimberly doesn't announce it either. What would you all say the percentage of those are? I think it's a low percentage, but your thoughts on those, on that? I didn't didn't hear the question. Why is it always a demon? Yeah, why is it always a demon, and how low do you all, how how high percentage of demons do you think we have? Because it's easier. Yeah. It's It's easier. It draws attention. And if you say it's a demon, you don't have to explain. Explain what you're seeing that can be verified. Let's go ahead and get down to the nitty-gritty, okay? And I'm going to give you a really good example, if you don't mind me butting in on this. Go ahead. I was doing I was doing um, remote viewing for a team in England, and this was for a, a private residence, private location, not being shown over what was live streamed in and everything else. Um, but they were sent. They were doing it with me, and uh, the family was very afraid. Because there were some things going on that were questionable. And other people, to my knowledge, don't quote me on this, but other people had went in there and told them that it was demons. Oh, gosh. And it just scared the rooney out of these people, okay? And I, I did the, the mental walkthrough and connected how I needed to connect. And it wasn't a demon. It was, I believe, a 36-year-old deceased male who had the mentality of a five-year-old. Oh wow! So his his persona, the way that he reacted to situations, um, tantrums, lashing out, lashing out, mm-hmm. um, that was that was what was going on. They understood and knew how to deal with it. Guess what? Solved. Yeah. Nice. The problem. Mm-hmm. He was still there. But they knew how to properly deal with it. And there's going to be some people who are going to say, well, what if it was a demon masquerading as that? <laughs> I'm, I'm technically, I've technically seen one that I would consider to be 
yeah. in Virginia. You will never mistake the two. You sure about that? You see that in Virginia? Ever. In Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Private residence. Uh huh. In their barn. Oh, I thought you were talking about people. I'm sorry. It was okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of energy was expended in order to make that one thing happen, and then you're like, oh, 
Charles, do it again. It's perfect. We yeah. love it. Do it again. Do it again. We we look for validation though in the paranormal field. One little blip on an EMF meter is not going to constitute something that's paranormal. That's why we ask them to do it again. From a par from the paranormal part of that, that's why we ask them. Here's the thing. Here's the thing is is you have to have a certain if you're going to be you can be, there's lots of people that are ghost hunters, right? And they yep. just out from yeah. the experience. Oh, definitely. And there's paranormal investigators like myself, researchers. Yeah. So when when I go in there, I'm not treating these spirits and entities like they're a monkey on a grinder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we I'm don't either. To make them relive their worst day of their life. Oh, exactly. The, the that that part I agree with. Yeah. I, I, I want to give them a chance to tell their story. I want to give them a chance to confirm what I've gotten from them. So so that we can, so I can show people that the proof of, okay, mediums are real, paranormal is real. Um, the things that I do is for other people. Yeah. I, I don't need validation to know what I'm getting because I trust what I'm getting. Yeah. I've been doing it long enough that I trust that now. But I, I want to get validation so p- other people can see that, you know, this isn't just crap. It's, right. You know, that's genuine. Right. Well, see, and that's just it. Here's the thing that I think people need to watch out for, and I'm probably gonna gonna make some people mad here, and you know what? I live for it, so it's okay. <laughs> but it's what people need to understand is history is like lasagna. There is layer after layer after layer after layer of history. So why, for the love of all that's holy or pagan, do you hear? These same stories coming out of every location. Yeah. Why? Why? Not, I'm sorry. Not every haunted place has a lady in white. Right. They don't? Vanessa. No. I'm sorry. Maybe that's just the only way that she can actually manifest. Maybe her dress is crazy. Yeah. Okay? Maybe she's got red hair. You know? But maybe she can do so a manifestation. And there are way more spirits than those from the 1800s. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Right.
10 churches within a mile radius and 10 graveyards within, a, you know, a mile radius of well, my house. We also we also have a lot of elemental entities yeah. in my area. And, yeah. and that's what interests me the most because I get transient spirits come to my house. You know, they just mm-hmm. stop by. I, I've, I've gotten plenty of them stop by just to, because there's somebody here that can talk to them, and they haven't had that for many, many years, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's also a, an elemental presence that is something that I focused on a lot um, after I had an experience when I uh, found wood, had an experience. So I, it, it, there's a lot of energy that I don't think people understand, especially where I live. Um, you know, elementals are not human. They're not per se, um, and they look freaky. <laughs> but uh, they'll scare the hell out of you. I mean, I've got a picture of something that looks like a seven-foot-tall baby that's got to weigh 900 pounds. I mean, it's just and, – and the faces behind that uh, are not any better. Like, they're scary. They look scary, but they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not necessarily bad. Would it make sense to you if I told you? Would it make sense to you if I told you you had one close to you, not right now, but close to you that looks like they're made of water? Uh, it would not surprise me. Um, I've got many here. And it's muddy water, not clean water. So we have we have springs that, that are on my property, um, and I have creeks that, that run through basically the center of my property. I, I basically live on underground water, and, and nice. it flows to the top. I've got five springs on my property, so there's a lot of water there. Um, you know, also feels like you've got a lot of granite under you, and that's just going to hold on to all the energy as it goes by. It's just kind of sucks. You know, I'm not 100% sure on that one. I know we have a lot of clay. You know, we are in a mountainous area, you know, a, like a yeah. the foothill of the Rockies. So yep. it wouldn't surprise me that underneath all this clay and red dirt, we, there would be that. But, yeah, we have flowing water on my property. Um, just from the pictures that I've gotten and the investigations that I've done, um, I've come across uh, five or six of them. So it, I feel safer with them there. So I connect with them. And they like me. I like them. I don't do them harm. They don't do me harm. I protect what they believe in. They protect my land from come that aren't so nice. All right. All right. What is OHW? Uh, Kimberly Ashbury. Oh, um, that's Old House Woods. Was asking about that, and I don't, I don't know what. Old House Woods is located in okay. Dead. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I'm telling you. Okay. That's the one we investigated no, and did the fundraiser for a couple Fridays ago. That's yeah, like a, that's where, like your. Oh, that's why I got hit by a rock. That's your paranormal lab. Can I ask huh? What? I didn't. Can I ask Stephanie a question? You yeah. can ask me anything you want. Okay. Um, have you had an experience with one of those that kind of crawls up the wall? Well, I don't know which one I'm picking up, but not not, not up the wall, but along the floor. Okay. Yeah. We have a. Uh, On all fours that flat. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I just uh, 
I'll you come to Vanessa's house too. Right. Right. I love it. Gonna come on Joshua's farm and be going through his trees like an elemental. Oh my god. You're like, hey, I've said the same thing for years, and it's because this is the oldest I've ever been. It's the only time I had a child that lived. I I haven't been murdered yet. I was murdered in every single one of my other lives. Um, so this is I've I've accomplished more in this life than I ever did in any of my previous lives. And I almost didn't, because I almost died three times before the age of three. I lost six babies before I finally had one live. I have been attacked multiple times, but I'm still here. You know, so it's all of the things that took me out in previous lives couldn't get me this life. Well, you know, here's the thing, too, is, is uh, I, I don't have deja vu experiences. I, I can't remember any past lives. Um, I, I went to one person that I trusted um, who I'd seen work before that does past life regression. Um, and I went to them, and the first thing out of their mouth was, Josh, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I said, well, that's odd. Why not? Because you're not supposed to know your past lives. This is the last one for you. Your past lives if I tell you now, we'll get in the way of what you're supposed to do here now. And I was like, I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Well, you need to know what they're willing to let you know. And that is your your spirit guides, whomever it is that's out there watching over you. Um, I've seen three of my deaths. They allowed me to see three of them. Um, the other ones, I know how it happened, but I, I did not see them. But the very first one I witnessed, I was hung. I was chased down and hung. And, I mean, I felt the grass on my feet. I felt the clothing on my body. I felt everything. And I ended up remote viewing years later for that team in England. They went to the location that I was hung at in a previous life and actually got an EVP asking where is Vanessa. They got it live. Wow. You know, so it's, it, they'll let you know when it's time. Nobody else gave it to me either. It, it's, it's not like I haven't asked. Um, you know, I, I'm very well connected with my guys. It, it, I, I talk every day. Um, I know when it's them. And mm-hmm. it's not a question I haven't asked. Right. But even they go radio silent. They're like, nah. Yeah. Not, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know, and they said no. But, I mean, my guys are kind of weird. You oh, know? yeah. I have a drunken Irishman. She's got protective guys. Thank you. And he cusses a lot. Well, he and I would get along great. Yeah, right. I'm part Irish. My family actually settled a town in Ireland. Um, but, uh, He's a character. Let me yeah. My two main guys, my two main ones, well, actually my three main ones, um, Morgan, Collie, and St. Germain. With St. Germain as an ascending master. I have Alan, Carl, and Ed. Uh-huh. And, and well, here's the funny thing. Carl is not his name. <laughs> when I've asked, well, what's your name? He is a massive African-American man. Like, when I say massive, I'm talking, this dude is like a truck. 
and uh, he's one of my he's one of my guys that, that I use when um, I'm dealing with you know I I deal more with the stuff that scares people, and he's one of the guys that I go to for that that helps me get rid of those um, things. But I asked him, I said, well, what am I supposed to call you? He said, well, just call me Carl because you'll never be able to pronounce my actual name. But that's really cool, though. Yeah. like African tribe, you know, languages that I would not understand or be able to pronounce. They'd like, just call me Carl. You'll never understand or be able to pronounce it, so just call me Carl. I love that. I love that. And Jerry's met one of my other ones, which is actually my grandmother. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, she's yeah. like a freaking gatekeeper. <laughs> my, my dad hangs out and helps my, my main gatekeeper that feeds me the information. Um, Alan, drunken sailor. Um, he he stays back though. He lets Alan do his thing, but he kind of assists. Um, and then I have another guy who she she's gorgeous, like she's beautiful, very whitish blue, flowing hey, outfit. Uh, she has long hair that's in like a, a dread style hair. Um, but she, I asked her and asked her and asked her, you know, what, what do I call you? And she just keeps telling me it doesn't matter. I'm here to right. help heal. Yeah. I'm here to help heal. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you call, you call, call me. Call me a lady. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Steve White has a question. Says, what if two different people came back reincarnated as the same person? What are the possibilities of that happening? What? I don't think that's possible. Well, I mean, your soul can split. That, that, and I in this at all. But could that not maybe account for what personalities or different types of psychosis and how they just can't cohabitate? That, that could be, yeah. That could be. Same body. So I'm saying it couldn't happen. I, I think there's anything that I, I think a situation like that might present itself as mental instability or psychosis. Because you have a point. That's interesting, yeah. I, I have a slightly different I take on it. I, I, I don't believe that two souls would reincarnate into one body um, unless one of the souls is going to leave real soon. You know what I mean? Like a walk-in type of situation? Um, um, but I, I don't I don't know. That's something I would have to think about. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. I, I don't think it would be probable. Right. Like Vanessa said, if, if it did happen, I would think it would present as some kind of uh, mental Mental health, issue. yeah. I just, I just don't see two souls trying to cohabitate in the same person. Unless there's some kind of lesson to be learned by both of them in this way. I That's just know. weird. Rachel, yeah. That's, That's a, really a good question. question. That's really giving me a headache. I think it would be, it would be painful. What was Rachel's question? I can't see. I couldn't see the. 
is it normal to have more than one guide or can you have the same one for each ride? I'm going to tell you my opinion. I think over... I think that they can come and go. Right. Yeah. They, they, they do come and go. Um, I think that you it's possible for them to guide you through more than one lifetime. Um, most typically, everybody that I've met has more than one. Um, usually as little as three. Some people have more. Um, I don't think I've ever come across somebody that has just one or two so far. I mean, it may, it may be possible. I just, I, I've not encountered that in my travels.
it, it wasn't a hysterectomy yet, but it took away my ability to have children. And that was the way that that happened. Believe me, there was a blood sacrifice. Um, and uh, St. Germain, that happened, found out about that in New Orleans. So you guys so, don't have to pull um, complicated. Doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Now, mine, um, yeah. St. Germain's the one that allowed me to start channeling. Right. And that started right. in New Orleans. Who was it that asked the question, Kimberly? Um, no, Rachel did. So it's, I, I, it's, I think it's the word normal relative. I, I don't think yeah, whatever's normal. Yeah. And, and I would even suggest that you know of one guy, but. Uh, have connected with the yeah. others that are there, yeah. they don't all talk to you. They don't. No, they don't. Some of them watch them laugh. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I swear guys are drunken sailors. So. <laughs> Mine too. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> well, because let's face it, we do stupid stuff on the daily. Okay, right. thanks. Sorry about the deep question, he says. Next question, is there any type of order that would exist in the afterlife for <laughs> basically a free-for-all? <laughs> Just curious no. your thoughts. I mean, if there are spirit guides, yeah. which I imagine is guides, wouldn't there be some type of guidance in the afterlife possibly? Uh, well, Steve, in my opinion or my experience, um, it's not a free-for-all. Um, and you don't stop learning just because you're in spirit. Um, we learn things here. We grow here in a humanistic way. Uh, being, and I, I'm very big on just calling. I don't call them the dead. I don't call them spirits. But they're, they're beings. We're all beings. We're, we're all different kinds of beings. And when we become that spiritual being, we still are on a path. I, I'm not sure if it's similar to the path we're on in, in life because I'm sure that I've experienced it, but I don't remember it. Um, but there's still, you know, part of part of your journey as a spirit being may be to be someone else's guide, or maybe to um, be a guide to somebody's guide. I mean, it's there's there's a lot of different like like Vanessa was saying. There's a lot of different layers to it. Yeah. That's not just history. That's every realm. There's layer upon layer upon layer. If you guys could see the stuff that's happening around you all the time, we probably would go physically yeah. insane. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Cray, cray. 100%. I, yes. I, I agree. It's I agree. too much. It's too much for this human brain to take in. Right. We're not when we get into spirit, the number one, when we get into that spirit being number one, better understanding of the whole picture. Right. And number two, yeah. we have better capacity to take in 100%. more. 100%. So I think we're okay. I just got big chills on that. So that's my confirmation that we're on the right track. I, I also think that, that we have better access to information when we're on the other side. It, it comes easier, quicker. Absolutely. And, and yes. the ability to understand it. Well, we are so limited here because of our concept of time. Right. Which is really is so nonsensical. <laughs> Tell me about it. Really, <laughs> I'm 
fully listened and paid attention to everything around them, yes, they would go crazy. They absolutely would. Then they're done that. Got the t-shirts. <laughs> but they would all, it would also require something that they're not prepared to handle. Yeah. And that understanding and being empathic to fellow beings. The world is not ready for that. They can't do it. They can't do it. And I think that's what holds us back so much. No, we are absolutely meant to. We are absolutely meant to be empathic and understanding to those around us. No, I mean, and I understand all the information. I don't think we're meant to understand. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. the way of the life lessons we're supposed to learn. Right. right. That's why we so can't one, of those lessons, one of those lessons we should learn from learning, but those of us that do this seem to have more of a capability to understand it and learn it is empathy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is what hurts more than missing from this world. If one hurts, we all hurt. And it's very bad. That's why I named my group We Are Tree because we are all one. We're all one organism in a great right. big We're a collective. cosmic plane. I mean, saw connected everywhere and it's just I saw something before I came on here that I need to research and I need to make sure that it's accurate because, of course, it was a video. But it was a person who was actually translating the actual Lord's Prayer from the Bible from its natural Aramaic. It is not what you're taught. It's about. It's exactly what we're talking about. Right. It's about the spirituality of it, not Thing on who and what and you know who is who. 
who we are all the time and what is what we are right now. And we are so influenced by the humanity of us that the spirit of us is, doesn't necessarily get lost, but the humanity like awesome. shakes it out. That's right. over. Well, the thing is, and I might catch a lot of crap for this, and if this doesn't apply to you guys, okay, and if it does, you don't have to admit it. Because everybody's journey is, is their own. Yeah. But I am going to say that one of the things that makes a good medium is pain, yeah. trauma, and tragedy. There's always trauma in the background of a medium. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Always. And nine times out of ten is multi layered right. and lasts for decades. <laughs> and I, I and I'm not saying that each person has to have that to be good at doing this, but you can't understand another person's pain, truly understand it, and and speak with them without judgment, right. unless you felt some of that yourself. Yeah. And it's very simple. Think about the best drug counselors out there ever. Oh, yeah. They're all, they're all That's right. That's all right. Problem, I think. They don't want to do shadow work. They want to. They just want to cut on and. Yeah, you don't want to do the shadow work there.
ahead when you're young, whether you realize it or not. Oh, my goodness. Hold on one second, y'all. It's my baby boy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Mama's, in, Mama's on a podcast. Can I call you back? Okay, love you. All right, bye-bye. That's my baby boy. He lives in Oklahoma. Um, he's 20. He's not my baby, but still. Um,
So let me just kind of crack this door open a little bit and see where we go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the door flung open. I was hit with everything, and I told my wife, you're going to have to check me into a mental institution. I'm losing it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm literally, I've gone crazy. No, we're not doing any readings tonight, Shelley. Um, yeah. We've got Vanessa Hogel, we've got Stephanie Watson, and we have Joshua Ford. If you want to message any of them, that's fine, but we're not doing readings this evening. Sorry, we're having topics of discussion. Have fun. Got a question? I'll try to answer it. I don't do private readings anymore. I've, I've moved on. Hi, Kimberly. Time. I didn't even see that. There's some stuff I can't see for some reason. Uh, yeah, I I only do private readings, and I'm I'm that I'm that weird one where I don't want reviews. I maybe one percent of the time advertise. I charge a flat rate. It doesn't matter what comes through, <laughs> and I you are not allowed to talk. During the 15 minutes it takes me to read the cards, you're not allowed to say a fucking word, except, except for giving me the card numbers to turn over, because that's cheating. <laughs> uh, see, I, I used to do private readings. Um, I never, me personally, I never charged people to transfer information from their loved ones that they needed. I, I work, I have a good job. I didn't need the money. I'm not saying that mediums shouldn't charge. Not saying that at all. I think a lot of mediums overcharge. Uh, I think that's true sometimes too. I yeah. never charged because I felt like I was doing a service and helping people. Um, I've done hundreds of readings and, you know, I feel like, and I've gotten lots of reviews back from people and I feel like I'm, you know, 99% accurate. I, I'm ne No one's ever 100%, but I've been yeah. pretty accurate with my readings. But it got to the point where I was starting to get people who kept returning they weren't healing and I was I felt like I was making that situation worse and then it just didn't you talking there's plenty of people that can help you talk to your mom and dad your grandma grandpa you know your lost loved ones um, it wasn't fulfilling for me so I stopped doing it I started working in the things that scare people rather than talking to your mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was more of a need to help people who were in situa dire situations who were about to lose it um, became more fulfilling to me than, because there's plenty of great mediums. Uh, there's a lot of fake ones, but there's plenty of great mediums. There's plenty of love and light out there. I needed to work with the dark stuff. That's what I was meant to do. See, I'm not the love and light girl. I'm the one people send people to because I don't sugarcoat nothing. Right, and no medium. Nobody no should, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But they do. <laughs> Rachel has a very good question. Either of you ever read someone that turns out to be you reading yourself? No. I can't get a reading. I can tell you that the readings that I do a lot of times are helpful for me as well. <laughs> I don't think I'm really reading myself. But um, a lot of the stuff that happens, I can tell if it's for me because I'll remember it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If it's not for me, you don't, I remember. don't remember it. Yeah. I get that all the time. It comes out yeah. through and it's gone. So um, a lot of times people come up and say, do you remember when you said blah, 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 blah? I'll be like, no. No. 
That's why I make everybody record their sessions with me. Yeah.
Myself off mute there. What is up, all you freaks out there? This is Ryan and my special guest co host with the most <laughs> from the Orion Effect on the Rift Raider Network. Yeah. We've got Rhonda Dowdy coming at us from across the from across the universe. Riding the <laughs> riding the cosmic wave. Whatever how it says. Riding the cosmic wave all the way over to the freaking awesome paranormal yes. show. <laughs> Joining us on the Vibe Radio Network. What is up? How are you? How are you doing tonight? Good, good. That's awesome. So I wanted to thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. Austin, uh, going on, and uh, so we couldn't make it. So I messaged you, and you came in, and I definitely, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I didn't mind at all. Good night for it. Especially on National Drinking with Chickens Day, which I know I can't believe it's actually here again. You know, I mean, I've been waiting for this day for like my whole life because the first time I've ever heard of it. But today is National Drinking with Chickens Day. And uh, so, guys and girls, thank you so much for coming on the show and watching us tonight. You know, hope you have your chicken next to you. You're taking a drink, maybe doing some shots with your chicken. I don't know. You know, whatever you want to do with your chicken, it's not, it's, it's not your time. It's up to you. But uh, we appreciate you coming on and joining us tonight, especially on such a such an important holiday. <laughs> it's also uh, with your chicken. Okay. Making with your chicken day, and I saw that man. I saw that because I do. I go through. I find the holidays that you know. And I saw National Drinking with Chickens Day. I was like, holy shit, this is the best <laughs> holiday ever. Well, some people are really into their chickens. I mean, they make them clothes and everything else. So. No, I think you it's some kind of – Some weird <laughs> – yeah. I mean, it, and it might be some weird, like, East East Asian holiday that nobody's ever heard of before, you know, or you know, chickens are revered or something. I don't, I don't know. So – you know, we're, we're poking a little fun. We're having fun with it. But for those of you who enjoy National Drinking with Chickens Day, we want to give you a shout-out to all you people right. drinking with your chickens right now. It's also National Taffy Day. So, you know, there's that. I want some good taffy there. 
Yeah. Me too. I'm not a big fan of saltwater taffy, though. You're not? No. I don't think it has much flavor to it at all. You know, I just, at least the ones I've, I've had that come to the boxes, you know? Yeah, boxes, yeah. They're, um, they're not my favorite. I like Laffy Taffy. Yeah. You know? There's a, um, there's a place down in the Outer Banks, way down in the Outer Banks, and they make their own saltwater taffy, and theirs mm. does a lot. I've been by there before. Like, it's down, yeah, it's down there, it's down like 152, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, is really good. yeah, it's near an egg's head. I, it's actually I, past that. It's all the way down in, like, Hatteras. Oh, wow. Well, it's called the Watch Bonnet. Okay, I'm yeah. thinking about, I'm thinking about something else. It's and fudge. <laughs> thinking about another, another place that's right down. So we I know to, what uh, you're talking about. I've been in there, too. Okay, but, yeah. Now I can't think of the name of the place. It's, it's like, it's like I can see I can it. See it. You know, it's like when you hear a song and you know the words, and you, you can't think of the name of the song. You just keep playing the same part, keep playing over and over again. But you can't get past that one part to get to the part where the words come in. That's how, that's pretty much how I'm feeling right now. But um, I'm sure the people who are watching this tonight love hearing a riveting conversation about chicken with chickens and, uh, you know, saltwater taffy. And you can just talk about that all night long. We can just do that. But I think uh, – I think we want, we should get to our guest yes. tonight. So uh, I met Sean a few years ago. He came out to the cabin on 360 with uh, Dave Spinks that did some investigating out there. And uh, he's come on the show a couple of times, and he's nice enough to join us tonight on the Freaking Awesome Paranormal Show. I just got done binge-watching his, uh, his show, 28 Days Haunted. So we're going to get him on the show and talk about that. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. What is up, man? Welcome. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> How are you? I am doing good, man. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. Man. So, um, those of the people who don't know, how did you get started in the paranormal? What is your story and how did you get to where you are now? Uh, I, not by mistake per se. Um, a friend of mine's a big skeptic, and I was waitering at a restaurant at the time, and I uh, wanted to have an experience. Um, I always believed in ghosts. I watched all the TV shows and big horror movie buff as a kid, and um, I thought of a cemetery in New York that had an urban legend of three women in white that would chase you out. So I got him to go with me one night, and we're walking around the cemetery. He's laughing the whole time, and I had a flip phone um, right before smartphones became a thing. And um, all of a sudden, I was up at this little girl's grave. Her name's Jenny, and uh, I think she's about eight years old. And I recorded a little piece of voice note audio on my flip phone. And not until the next night, when I listened back to the recordings, um, I got that defining EDP, which was a trigger to me in the paranormal. Was this little girl saying, uh, my two toys died. Um, and then I was listening to EDPs all from that night, and someone said muerto, which is death in Spanish, and all sorts of stuff. And I knew that nobody was around, and that was it. That was you know, drew me in. Three, two, three weeks later, I saw a shadow of a little girl at the corner of my bed. It even light out, wasn't dark. And it was just the experiences. It was just a flip of the switch, and it was all coming to me, and it was full throttle. Um, and here I am over 13 years later doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> wow. So did, you didn't have any experiences before, like anything that was weird before you went out on that investigation? There, I mean, when I got involved in the paranormal, um, I thought to myself when I was writing my first book, Shadow Chaser, I, you know, I thought about little omens or something. Were there any signs? And there, there definitely was. Um, I talk about it in my first book. Um, 
you know, um, when I was a child, I would be in, in the bathtub with my mother. Um, she'd give me a bath, and um, I'd be telling her that, uh, you know, I remember being in her womb and being in space and have these weird conversations at a really young age. Um, and uh, a little bit later in life, I was running home from a house we had out in Long Island from a friend's house, be nine or ten, I'm not sure, um, and saw, like, the high dead grass in the, in the corner of my peripheral vision. And um, I went to go pick up this object, and it was just satanic boat that was burnt on the outer edges, and I had this creepy feeling running home crying to my mother. So when I was thinking about these little things, there were just little weird things, clues. Um, I used to have, like, visions of people's faces that I never met, um, and I thought to myself, is my imagination able to come up with mm-hmm. someone's face if I've never met them? Um, and then another really weird thing was, that stands out was three years before I got involved in the paranormal. I was, I was uh, staying at a house with roommates at this house in Westchester County in a, a city called Thornwood. And this girl had come over to hang out with me. And she never told me this story until three years later when she started seeing me post paranormal stuff on the, the page. But she said that when she pulled up one night, she saw this black hooded shadow, um, you know, looking into my window and then turned its head and had black eyes and, disappeared that it was the most terrifying thing she ever saw but she had the courage to tell me because she thought i would have thought she was crazy mm-hmm. so you know little weird things like that and my interpretation i take from that is this thing was probably watching me from the outskirts uh before what i like to call is i start to step onto the uh, and, uh, and engage into the rules the spiritual rules of engagement when these things can actually you know um encounter them and, and, and go on to their planes of existence in some of these places. And, you know, there's no conception of time. So these things kind of know the people that they're going to encounter um, and have these paranormal experiences with. And obviously the line of work that I ended up being more geared towards was dealing with dark energies and, and so forth. So, yeah, there was definitely a bunch of signs. <laughs> but I never it was never like a psychic thing or a paranormal thing that stood out to me. Like, I believed in everything. It was just mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, once I actually engaged that world, it was just like, I just flipped the light on and then it was everywhere. It was just, it was always there. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, <laughs> I it was like a matrix, the movie moment. I always bring up that metaphor. Like, you want the blue pill, the red pill. It's just like, all right, now you know everything's this way and there's stuff everywhere. So, okay. <laughs> it sounds like, uh, like anything, anything that happened to you is like a puzzle piece and that EVP you got in the uh, cemetery is like the final piece of the puzzle it's all come together for you and it's just coming at you all at once. Now, a lot of people, they get EVPs. They don't, they don't have that experience. What do you think caused that for you? Um, I guess I probably did have some sort of psychic ability that was dormant. Now I do believe all of us have some sort of spiritual ability that are within every single one of us. Um, we are spiritual beings living in a human body. That's not who we are as a core, but you know, incorporated with our destined soul path, um, you know, some people are more geared to be and more involved in the physical plane stuff, and some people like ourselves are more geared to be dealing with the spiritual side of things. So, And then some people are more endowed to be having more of a natural talent to be connected to the spiritual world. I mean, just like, you know, music was my first passion. I only took three guitar lessons, and my ear became my best teacher. So, you know, I naturally was able to pick up, you know, instruments and, and write music and stuff like that. And I think psychic abilities is kind of like that too. It's kind of like a muscle that you develop that becomes stronger over time the more you use it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think 
everybody has the abilities, and I think to hone into them and practice them, it's a muscle. You have to exercise it. And if you don't use it, then it doesn't happen. And I think I'm kind of like you. Not a lot of people have had like a, a paranormal experience, and that got them in the paranormal to begin with. They listened to haunted house or or something of that nature. I didn't either. I always believed. I always believed that ghosts. I always knew houses were haunted. I don't know how. I didn't experience it. But it wasn't until I got going on my spiritual journey that then I landed in the paranormal. And I was like, now I'm like you. I look back on things in my childhood. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, probably an experience. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did. Especially again when I was writing my first book because I was thinking about was there anything that stood out? And there definitely was. There definitely were little signs of things to come. Um, and, you know, that defining night at that cemetery took me off into a whole new direction. I mean, my whole life to me was music and writing songs, and that was my first passion. That's still the passion, and I, I try to do that when I can. I'd really like to get more involved in performing again like I used to. Um, but the paranormal just, you know, it was just a, an engulfing thing, um, and it took me off into a whole new world, uh, pun intended here. <laughs> Now, do you think your your uh, your love for music and your your you know your singing and stuff and your writing music has that helped you at all as far as um, paranormal investigating, like listening for things and stuff like that? Yeah, I definitely think it. You know, having a real keen ear um, with listening to audio and and all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, I can I can aim my ear at all different types of devices. I definitely think it's helped me. Uh, on investigations for sure, um, definitely. And, and also on a spiritual level per se and not just developing my ear is that, you know, music and spirituality go hand in hand. I mean, uh, music is just an extension of, of an emotion. And that's what's so ma- amazing about music is that music can represent any sort of a human emotion that we have, sadness, hope, anger, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so there's a huge connect there. And even on the show 28 Days Haunted, um, you know, there was a whole thing that happened to me that did actually didn't even make it on the show, which I try to, you know, which will be part of my lecture for the rest of my life and telling that story, what happened to me and the experience that went further than the show is um, the most beautiful and emotional paranormal experience that I really ever had. And it has to do with music because I ended up writing a song about it. Well, I mean, to me it makes sense because, you know, if you are into spiritualism or you studied mediumship or psychism, you know you're using your right brain, your non-logical side of your brain. And a lot of times it's the left side, the logical side, that makes you not notice things that are happening or, or you can't get out of your own head to say, oh, that really was something I noticed. And you're using that right brain as well with music and art. So um, as you're honing even with that, that would make things more present to you as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we know acknowledgement gives you know, credence and energy to the spirit realm and to these individual, individual spirits. That's why all the residentials I've done, you try to tell them, like, and I know how easy it is that slippery slope. As soon as you may experience something paranormal or think you uh, experience something paranormal or you kind of just wonder about it, think about it, and open to it, like every little noise, you know, like, oh, what was that? You know, like every little, little tiny noise that you never noticed before, it's kind of your question, like, wait a minute, you know? Um, and so, especially in these houses, you try to help families. It's like, all right, bless the home. Hopefully, we displace whatever spiritual energies are there. Um, but try not to, like, sit there and every little noise say, what was that? What was that? If you're acknowledging things, you can bring it back in, and the whole thing can start over from the beginning with that cycle. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, tell us a little 
bit of, we tell us about that that musical experience that you had um, that was so changing for you. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. So Twenty Eight Days Haunted, I, I kind of was thrown into the the mix pretty last minute, and I basically had to drop my things. I was doing a paranormal conference in Connecticut that weekend, and it kind of happened really out of nowhere. My computer got a phone call, and I. I basically had to make a decision, and I'm like, um, okay. I had to do this busy paracon all, all weekend until 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, and that night I had to pack my things and go off the grid for those 28 days. And, you know, I kind of asked them because I obviously that's pretty rough to not have mm-hmm. a phone, TV, or Internet. And I asked one of the producers, I'm like, hey, look, I mean, am I allowed to bring my acoustic guitar? Because, like, I'm a little <laughs> worried about going a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty much going back to, like, you know, what the Amish do at this point. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to have anything. Um, and they allowed me to do that. And um, luckily I did because of what ended up happening. And um, obviously staying at that place, living, uh, I mean, again, there's so much that you didn't see on the show. I mean, we were there seven days a week. And I take it back to even like, you know, the theory behind Ed Warren. I mean, Ed Warren, I mean, when he kind of came up with that theory, obviously I'm sure you all would think the same thing. 28 Days is probably most likely connected to Amy Zahar. The Lux family moved into the house, and they left all their belongings behind, and they stayed in that house for exactly 28 days. And I think Ed um, saw this as the perfect storm and example of what would happen in a, in a real extreme haunting and the stages of what would happen up until those 28 days until the family would just get up and leave. Um, but again, I mean, we were, you know, experimenting with that cycle, but we weren't just living in the house and the things were happening to us. It was 24-7, like, <laughs> engaging spirits, communicating with spirits, thinking about spirits, sleeping, dreaming about spirits. I mean, it was all day, every day. And we have no connection to the outside world besides ourselves. And, you know, um, you know, in, in those types of cases that warrants were going on, I mean, the families would just be sitting in the middle of the house and, you know, put their stuff that half in the house. But we were actually investigating every single day. Um, and, you know, probably the overall time that you see on the Netflix show is probably an hour and 15 minutes per mm-hmm. team at most. I mean, I mean, if that just gives you an idea of, like, we were there for, like, weeks. So without any escape, that, that place is all I knew. It's all I knew. It's like I always, I've, I've been saying, it's like, it's like a prison. And I'm not saying it's as bad as a prison, but I'm just saying, like, the prisoners, all they knew was the courtyard, the cell, and the cafeteria. And all I knew was that house, every, you know, <laughs> crevice of that house, of that property, um, that's all I knew, you know. And I remember, like, the first week, too, and we would make lists of, like, stuff so they could get stuff in the supermarket for us. Um, and then they would fill up, um, you know, the refrigerator. And luckily, I mean, that was a nice thing. I'd be, I'd be cooking, the other guys would be cooking, like, you know, grilling out and stuff like that. But I, I noticed, like, for the first week, I'm like, it was starting to, like, you know, just sit around and we're investigating. And I'm like, gosh, I don't want to just sit here and be eating food. And you got to be really, you know, psychologically, emotionally fit for this stuff because you're going to be there for weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, and luckily our property was pretty nice. So there was a big backyard. So I started waking up in the morning at like, you know, nine, 10 in the morning. And I just started jogging um, and listening to music and then going around the property and doing jumping jacks and push-ups and stuff like that. So just, you know, keep in shape and, because, again, I mean, I know I, I've stayed at places for long periods of time. I know what can happen. 
Um, it can really break you down and try to divide everyone, which you see part of that stuff on the show. But anyways, getting back to the whole thing with first Seattle was, um, you know, being there and living that every mo- you know, every night. I'd, I'd be visiting my bed, and I would see this woman in long gray hair standing in my bed, um, and just things whispering in my ears, visions of people, and I would just raise my hand because there would be a camera on me at all times, and I'm sleeping. I'm like, yep, uh, something just happened. I don't know if you caught it on a camera or whatever, this and that, in case uh, something was there. They had some people watching us 24-7. Um, but as we uncovered the story of the whole thing and how she lost her husband at sea, um, and, uh, you know, the love of her life, she married him, and one day he just got on a ship and never came home. And in those days, you never knew if he would come home tomorrow, next week, next month, or never at all. Um, and, you know, tapping into that emotion, living there every day. I mean, I really felt like I was one of the spirits on the property that were trapped there. Um, but there was this one uh, time that we were in the cemetery, the first time it's in front of uh, Mercy Adelaide's and Captain Grant's grave, and... I had this vision that she would write these notes to her captain poetically, almost as if like it's a release for her. And I, I can relate to that because when I would write songs and lyrics that were very emotionally profound to me and things that I was going through, and it, it's a release to put, you know, words into paper, it, it, it's getting it out, you know. Uh, and for me, it was like an invisible therapist writing songs to be able to sing emotionally about stuff that was important to me or I was being affected by. Um, but I actually said out loud loud some of the words that I believe that she wrote and I would say and I said like I save your lips the breath of each day um life is enduring without you the wind is my only company so I told everybody this and then we went back to the house and now again bring it back to my guitar is that we had downtime sometimes you know during the day uh, because we had to film a lot of stuff and investigate constantly but um you know, I would go off on my own with my guitar just for downtime because, again, we have no entertainment. There's nothing. Um, and uh, I'd sit there and i just play some songs, and I started to come up with some songs. I was humming melodies to songs. That's usually how I write songs. I'd hum a melody to a song and write words to it. And uh, one of the songs is really haunting. And I thought to myself, you know, when I go home, I'm going to write this song about her loss to her captain because – I really felt connected to it every day. It was building, building. And uh, I told everyone, you know, when I go home, I'm going to take some of those words that I believe she wrote to her captain, and I'm going to meld it with my own words, and I think I'm going to finish that song and write it because this has been a pretty extreme um, experience being at a place this long. So um, after that, um, I was up in this room. Now, part of this you see in the show, I'm sitting in the chair, and I start to get emotional, and it, it goes way further than that. And this is really the whole this whole moment that happened that you didn't see um, really led to this whole thing. Um, Cause I sat there in the chair um, and she showed me like a golden locket and it opened up. I saw a beautiful young brunette. And in this moment, it just, I, back in my mind, I knew that that older lady with the gray, long gray hair that was coming to me on my bed, she was showing me um, when she was young, you know, she was there until her older years, but she was showing me two points in her life. She was really connecting to me. And then I saw a vision of, like, I don't know if I was looking through her eyes or somebody else, but it may have been hers. I was looking out on the beach, and I could see a ship going off in the distance, and I see two rock boulders, and I I believe that to be Captain Grant's ship. Um, And then from there, I started to get, like, a little, like, sadness coming over me. Um, And then all of a sudden, I started to hear her say shipwreck, and then this vision changed, and I could see the back of this 
guy's head, um, like, abruptly changing the steering wheel. I, I don't know if he was in a storm or dodging something. That's all I could really tell. Um, obviously, I would believe that she's probably showing me um, what happened to him. And then from there is when this whole thing happened to me. Um, out of nowhere, I started to hear um, the acoustic chords of the song um, that I had planned to write for her. Uh, that I was playing around the house by myself and out in the field by myself on the bench. I've never had this happen to me. Like one of the songs I wrote, I could hear the acoustic chords playing inside my head. And at this moment, I knew this realization that she knew that I was going to dedicate a song of her decades of heartache and the emotion that took over me. Um, and it was, it was connected to like heartache of things that I've dealt with. And it was just, it exploded so much that I was literally started to stop. And I was like, I can't even stop crying. I'm like, stop. I can't even handle it. It was just so crazy profound on so many levels. It just, I had no words. And I had to get up from the chair and I ran downstairs and I had to open up the side door of the house. And I'm like, I can't stop. It went on for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, I can't stop. I just can't stop crying. It was so, couldn't stop. And I sat there, opened the door to get some fresh air, and I heard this voice of, I believe, her, and she said, you know, you were meant to come here. You captured my essence. And, um, you know, it calmed down or this and that. It was the end of the night. And the next morning, I had, so I had a burner phone. that had no internet on it. But, you know, I used it for, like, recording audio at the mm -hmm. time that night. And I had it on the bed with me. <clears throat> and I went back to listen to the recording. And literally right before you hear me say, oh, my God, I'm hearing the chords of the song. She knows I'm going to write the song. She is humming the melody to my song that I was humming around the house and humming outside. And I just lose it. I run to my guitar, and I record it with my burner phone, the chords, and I put it on my laptop, and I put her EVP over the acoustic chord, and she is humming the two-part melody in perfect key to my acoustic guitar. And I was just like, I, I, was, I couldn't even deal with it, like, um, and it was just hard to explain because every time I even start to talk about it, when this whole thing happened, I, I was like, oh my God, I start crying again. I can't even deal with it. But I showed everybody this and that. And that's, that's really why I wanted to put flowers on her grave. And I took flowers from mm -hmm. the property because I, I was so thankful for this amazing experience. As sad as it was, it was also beautiful. And, you know, just to think about how profound um, and powerful it is. I mean, talk about, you know, the telepathic connection, the evidence of like, um, psychic ability and, and um, you know, love, how it lives on way beyond <laughs> this world and how you can long for someone uh, infinitely. And this lady's spirit was, like, definitely there. She was looking for him. Um, and uh, it, it just uh, was so crazy. And I, I said there in front of the grave, which, again, you didn't see on the show, but I'm like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to record that song and I'm going to do it justice. I'm going to dedicate it to you. And I'm so thankful for this experience. I'll never forget it and that's what I did um now mind you I did you know the night before I the night as I was about to pray for her on the show um right as I turned on the spirit box which I have which is on the video you can watch it on YouTube this whole little 20 minute documentary um the evidence you didn't see um and the music video I dedicated the song but you hear her say Sean I want to learn how to play the song clear as day for the spirit box um but anyways I recorded the song I went down to Nashville I named the song Mercy now you know, obviously you think about this, the name Mercy, it has dual meaning. Not only was it her name, but it's kind of like, you know, take the pain away, stop it, you know, stop the pain. And I took the first line of the song of what I believe she was writing to him, and then the rest of the lyrics, I put my own words in there. And her humming is kind of like a, a swishing noise in the background. It's 
and that's why I truly believe it. Like, I basically co-wrote a song with a ghost. Um, now, when I got the final mix of the song from the producer, I was sitting there um, in my uh, bed, um, another apartment I was at, and um, I had this vision of this woman in a green dress, and she gave me a curtsy. And I knew in that moment that was her saying, thank you for um, giving a voice um, <laughs> to my story on a, on a, a huge level here. Um, and when the show came out and premiered, I was laying on this couch, dozing off, and I had another vision of this uh, woman in a green dress, and she was walking up to this gentleman, and he's, like, about to dance with her, and he puts her up, like, spins around his arm, and then he just puts her up, you know, in his hands, and I just had this really good feeling, this reuniting. I don't know. There's just – I really do believe something really did positive happen um, for me being there, and like she said, I was meant to come there. Um, but it, it got a little weirder too. Um, so when I went down to go film the music video to the song, so my, my filmmaker buddy who I do a lot of documentaries with, he lives in North Carolina and he lives right in Wilmington, which is, um, you know, near the beach. <laughs> so I'm down there and we have this actress, uh, girl, she was uh, there to, uh, you know, play the part and, you know, in the music video and, um, you know, the filmmaker Billy wanted to like, you know, hear a little bit more about the, um, the uh, story and I was randomly looking up online and I had no idea that Captain Grant was said to have shipwrecked um, three hours out to sea from where I was in North Carolina on Cape Hatteras. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, what are the chances of that? I mean, I only went to North Carolina at the beach because my filmmaker buddy was there and you know, that's just by chance. And then I looked there and that Captain Grant wrote this message um, that was like on a plate or something um, on this day, 1754, um, God bless my family and my wife and my children. And it was February 13th. Um, that's my birthday. So um, I just thought the whole thing was weird. I definitely think I was meant to be there. And I knew in that moment that connection and experience that I had with her was more important than anything I was doing on the show. And that is something that I will continue to and hope to share with um, everyone as I continue doing what I'm doing as a part of my lecture. Wow, that is an absolutely amazing story. It's, uh, wow. I mean, I knew you had a connection with her because, like, the first, I think this was the first night you were there, you were getting the name Adelaide coming through. Yeah, um, and she would say, I'm not here, with, I'm here without my captain. We would get that over and over again. Like, she was, like, something, part of her was missing, and she, it's how she introduces herself. She's no longer whole because she's missing that part of herself, which would be the captain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, part about doing something like that, being at a place for that long, because most of the time we, we investigate places for one night and, and we do a nice long investigation of eight hours, but to actually be there for about mm -hmm. a month uh, with no isolated, away from the world, I mean, you have such a huge opportunity to really connect to the spirits on the property, especially if you're sensitive like myself, where they know that you're open, they know that you're trusting, they see it around your aura, and they know that you're genuine in nature and like respect them and sympathize for them. Um, you know, there's there was a real reciprocal um, chance there to really connect on a level that will be unforgettable, like what I experienced um, filming 28 Days Honor. Yeah, and healing for you and the spirit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's a release, you know. It was mm -hmm. kind of like a release for maybe both of us because um, it was, yeah, it's just like our, our, our emotional 
turmoil. Like, I, I don't know, like it was like intertwined like a rope. Um, and I think that's maybe why she related to me because I was going through something like around that time. And it's like, she really, she really connected to me. I, I don't know. It's, it's something that I'll wonder about for the rest of my life, but that's, um, I'm truly thankful for that experience. I mean, that's something special and unique that you don't really typically hear about. Have you been back there since at all? I have been back there. Um, we did an event, a four-day event, for people to investigate with me. And we had some really cool experiences, but, I mean, um, if you never came through or anything like that, um, I think I may have asked if she got help again, and someone said yes. Um and I'm doing another event there in August, if anyone's interested. Um, you can look it up on Facebook, 28 Days Haunted Revisited. Um, I think it's August 11th, like Friday and Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, the owners of that um, place, it's really wonderful people. They're really passionate about running a bed and breakfast. And, um, and it's just a beautiful property. And uh, it's definitely weird going back there because, again, mm-hmm. I was there. there for second home. home. Yeah. Um, and interesting enough, just recently, you know, when I went up there for the event, I, I never met the um, uh, Carol for the first time, and she had actually I was telling her about the whole debacle with the mirror, and she actually told me um, guests um, that have stayed there before had the same exact experience. A, a woman came out of the shower. There was writing on the mirror um, when they were there. So I thought that was interesting considering, I mean, I know I was accused of writing on the mirror, um, but um, to know that somebody else had that experience there um, as well, you know, that makes me think like so there's some sort of connection to that or someone else that actually experienced that as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you know, did you know the guys you were going to be going out there with? I mean, no. you just show up and you were, they were there. Did they tell you ahead of time or was it like, okay, you know, show up and I, 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 I never, I never met them. I basically just had to like pull up to a hotel and put a blindfold on and, you know, uh, I just would start trying to pick up stuff car like before arriving there. Um, and no, I've never met them before. They're friends for 12 years. So, I mean, obviously they had an advantage over me to have that camaraderie with, with each other. Um, but obviously there was some divisiveness going on. And I, you know, I was trying to convey um, that you know, this is the type of stuff that can happen. Cause I mean, we're here to do a TV show mm-hmm. and if there are negative spirits here, they're going to use us like a, you know, a, a a chess piece here to just, you know, toy with us and, you know, play with us and then, you know, antagonize the situation because we're like gerbils in a cage, just like they know we have to be here for a certain amount of time. And, you know, obviously you saw some of that, you know, what I was accused with Amir and also like the two of them were arguing and having some issues too. And it's just like, it, it's, <laughs> you don't, I mean, you don't even have to deal with ghosts. I mean, yeah. Go back and watch MTV real world or Jersey shore. I mean, this, this shit's going to happen no matter what. I think people probably thought that you guys were, you know, stop filming and then go off and do what you want to do, go out and do things. But you guys were were there with each other. You don't know each other. You don't know each other's, like, idiosyncrasies and stuff. So you've got to deal with that, with the emotions of that, and also deal with the emotions of the spirits during the house. Yeah. And luckily, there wasn't, well, like, super dark energy there. But, yeah, there's, you definitely, know. there's definitely some dark stuff there, for sure. I mean, you know, again, this place is used for paranormal investigation. It's not mm-hmm. just a place that's, like, haunted where people go visit. Like, 
people go there and stay there to investigate paranormal, to experience the paranormal. And the place is in the center of two different cemeteries, one across the street, one in the backyard. And I mean, you know, you never know what these types of people, um, you know, do. Um, I also, um, someone had told me that um, they had one of the guests that actually stayed in the room that I stayed in um, had left behind some, um, you know, voodoo dolls in the room that I stayed at, and it was writing on the mirror too. So that there's weird shit stuff that I, I'd heard from other people too. That like, you, you never know what people go in there and do. They could be inviting more stuff onto what might just be there historically. I mean, this is the case for all the types of places we go investigate. Urban legends. You go to you hear like, oh, you sit there, your car is going to be pushed and have handprints. But like, people are going to go there to have that experience and also bring Ouija boards, candles, yeah. do rituals and stuff like that to a place that wasn't really haunted before. That's just an urban legend. Now actually is haunted. You actually open up a doorway, a portal, or a vortex of some sort for all different types of energies to come through. And then there actually has some sort of truth to a place being creepy because people want to do creepy things at creepy places. And there was a guy yeah. who practiced dark magic back in the 1600s. So you're talking about that, that, um, the, the, the pentagram they found in the cemetery. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was in the backyard. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I never had any visions about that too, man. Like I, I, I mean, by like the third week, like I literally, uh, I was just slurring my words. I mean, I, I could sleep eight hours and, and once you start investing the paranormal, I was just like, Ugh. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, like I couldn't do anymore. It was just like, I, it was just insane. Um, and I remember having some crazy vision where I was, I was seeing someone like with a pentagram and they had flasks and they were, I, was, I don't even remember what I was saying, but I was saying they had ingredients like sapphires and stuff. It has something to do with those experiments those people were doing in the, in the, in those years. But, um, but again, there's so much more that happened, um, in the show and, you know, besides the song, I mean, we, we had, there's so many dates to investigate. I mean, we had no, all right, what are we going to do tonight? We've done everything 10 times. I mean, you know, what are we going to do? Like, you know, hang from the roof of the house and try to talk to ghosts upside down or something like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, obviously that's why some of the houses had, you know, experiments like going into, um, you know, the tanks and and things like that. Um, But, um, I mean, there were experiments that they did in, in our location that they didn't show. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Nick, who, you know, the whole mirror debacle, I mean, he actually did something called the psychomantium where they put a red light in his eye and he looked in the mirror and he had this whole experience where he saw, I think, like a soldier on a horse and a Native American or something. Like, that's kind of for, you know, for a skeptic experiencing something that's pretty profound. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what, what, what they decided, like, what decision process that goes through them, like what goes on the cutting floor and what actually makes it on the show because that seems pretty interesting and also seems like it verifies what you were saying, that there was something going on with that mirror. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, when that whole mirror thing, I, dude, I just came out of the shower. Now, mind you, like, so when I first got involved in the paranormal, it's in my book. There was an experience I had. It was very similar. So I don't, when I, when this happened, um, I didn't know if it was connected. Um, but again, the, the message see you on a mirror is like, I can see you basically watching the mirror. But I had this experience like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago where I had a vision walking away from my, my bed in my old apartment and I was walking into the bathroom and I looked up at the mirror. And as soon as I looked up in the mirror, something just took my face and the mirror. And I, my body went to sleep paralysis. And all I could hear echo in my head was, 
and I shot up with the chills at 3 o'clock in the morning. And about two, three weeks later, I was in the shower, and I had a shaving mirror at the time in the shower, and I was washing off, and I saw a peer on the shaving mirror. It spelled I-S-E-E with a big U on the bottom. So when this happened, I didn't know if that was connected or something was trying to antagonize me, knowing I had to be there for that long, because I have a lot of enemies. I'm a demonologist. I help people, and I try to help spirits. Like, again, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prime target. So, you know, they, they're going to try to have everyone come after me, um, especially if I'm doing an experiment like that. So, it's, I mean, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and plus, you were there for so long. You're probably in such a vulnerable state at that time because you, you, can't, you can't get away from it. It's constantly bombarding you. Even if it's Adelaide, it's still spiritual energy coming at you constantly. It's got to just wear you right. out. And, you know, how long, did yeah. take, how long did it take you to get to normal after you left That's what I was the property? Ask. Well, yeah, I mean, the first day I was able to leave, it's like, oh, my God. I mean, the first thing I want to do, like, I called up my friends. I'm like, we're going to a bar, and I am having drinks <laughs> in a social <laughs> environment that, you know, and it was really weird because it felt so weird to be free out in the open and, in, and around other people. It felt very, very strange. And I remember I went to the restaurant, and I sat at the table with a couple of buddies, a few of my buddies, and, like, all of a sudden my ears started ringing like crazy, and mm-hmm. then the lights started flickering crazy right above the table. And then I heard someone call out my name, Sean, and my friend actually heard it too. And it was just, like, weird. It just felt very, very weird. It took about probably a week, a week or two per se, to really feel like, okay, get back into the routine of being a part of planet Earth. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. It took a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I was sitting here when you were talking, thinking about like 28 days. I know after our two nights of investigation, that everybody's kind of exhausted. I feel like everybody, because they're so focused, you get tired. You're draining that energy. But if you're open at all, it's a different kind of tired. It is like I, I can't, like you said, I, I can't think straight. It is. I and imagine I, going day after day after day. And it don't matter if you get a lot of sleep because we could sleep late. I could sleep to like 10, I mean, 11, whatever it is, because we wouldn't start filming again until like 3 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that, doing interviews and talking about the evidence from the night before. I mean, you know, um, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like you're in a date. Yeah. It's like Trying to stay grounded, like you were talking about going out and running and stuff, but yeah. I don't even know that that would be enough to keep you grounded enough not to feel just off. Well, it was helping. It was definitely helping. And, you know, um, but, again, towards the end, I mean, I just, I'm like, I can't do anymore. I'm just like, I'm just fried. I am so freaking fried. It's just like I told you, it's like you're spiritually drunk. Um, I, it's weird, too, like, you know, after long investigations, I don't know if you experienced, but like you crave food, too. Mm-hmm. you crave sweets, and yeah. like salt, whatever it is. And I, 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 I've myself theoretic, theoretically, like I, I've wondered if take energy from the environment. I've wondered if like somehow our bodies are being affected, where we actually like our, some of our nutrients are being extracted from us, and then we feel like dehydrated. We feel like we eat something because there's something going on, you know, when this is happening. Because that's not normal. It, daily life. It's just like there's there's cravings that go on. It's like a hangover. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You, it's much like a hangover. You feel thirsty all the time. You, you want caffeine. You want water. Yeah. And you want sweet. Like, just got to get your I body mean, back to normal. 
your body and your blood and your system after yeah, like a long, a really yeah. long, yeah, after a really long investigation compared to just a normal day. Yeah, be interesting. We'll do that in uh, Play Days Haunted season two. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll have, would you would you do would you do it again? Would you uh, take part of that again, or is it just one time? That's enough. I got what, what I needed. I mean, you know, I I'm lucky and I'm humbled the fact that I've been blessed to have some of the opportunities I've had in the paranormal field to be up there and and be involved with something that involves your passion to be up there and, and, and bring awareness to this stuff. You know, this is the third TV series I was able to be a part of. I'm very thankful for it. Um, and just at the chance of having an experience like I did on the show, like obviously, um, you know, I would consider it again. Um, it's my passion. It's like the thing that I experience. It's part of my daily life. I experience the paranormal every single day. It's there. I'm supposed to be. It's a calling to it. And, yeah, again, um, being there for a long period of time, I could have some, another profound experience with a spirit like I did with um, with her. Um, and I've stayed at places for a long period of time. But, again, you can leave and go out to dinner and, and, and have fun. But, I mean, you know, I mean, we're all looking for the experiences that stand out, the, the ones that really – you know, stick with us and the ones we really wonder about um, as panel investigators who are truly passionate about the subject. So, um, you know, just at the chance that, you know, of course, I mean, I I want to be busy with the paranormal and I feel like I have more to do and I really would love to leave some sort of uh, impact behind um, in the end when I'm done, like some of my, you know, predecessors or predecessors in the paranormal field, uh, you know, um, so yeah, just keep on and keep doing what I'm doing is going out there and filming, telling stories, experiencing, investigating, and trying to help people in spirits. Now, do you think you would have gotten more stuff if you had, because you've got a whole bunch of cool stuff, but if you'd gotten, if you had been with people you knew and you had that energy of had familiar energy where everyone knew each other, what do you think your experience would have been different or would have been more enhanced? Well, definitely less drama. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs>
necessarily know there's that drama. Did you all capture anything or anything evidential that seemed to be something more manifested from y'all's energy or the time being there than an actual entity that was normally there? Yes. I mean, yes. So, um, so there was a documentary I did called Malefice. It's actually the poster's right behind me right here. Um, it's my proudest Colonel Sim project. It's very personal to me. The story is something that'll probably stick with me to some degree for the rest of my life. And it's a story about how I believe I crossed over two female spirits that were trapped by a demonic spirit and a man tortured, raped, and killed these women. And he, that, that story was what it's all about. And the thing wanted revenge against me for five years. Um, and it tried to mess with my personal uh, relationship. And it's, it took credit for sabotaging um, part of it and tried to mock me about it. Um, and interesting enough, it was like a relationship that actually was still haunting me around the time with when I was there at the house. Like, it still was just around me. I just couldn't escape. And I, it was there with me at the house while I was filming the 20 Days Haunted. Now, the two of them one night, they, a couple of nights, they, they had a Ouija board with them, and I don't mess with that stuff. And obviously, I'm just, like, apprehensive about that because I'm like, guys, like, we got to live in this place for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can make matters worse for us or even me because, again, I'm the enemy of these things. And, you know, they were messing with the Ouija board, and it was coming through the spirit box. And the spirits were saying, like, you know, something, the door's opening, something more is coming, and yada, yada. And, I mean, after that, that's when, like, some of them were arguing. It was getting kind of worse with some of them. But I remember one night, um, the, they were doing the Ouija board downstairs, and I was upstairs. I, mean, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, now, I don't judge anyone who messes around with Ouija board. I know plenty of people that do that stuff. But, uh, you know, I got oppressed after messing with that many years ago. I was never doing it. I never advised people to do that. And everyone wants to take a risk and do that. That's your free will decision. But I would never advise for you to do it. Um, but anyways, I, you know, I started to doze off while they were downstairs and I had a very, very profound vision. Um, and the first part of the vision was, um, um, I believe to be Archangel Michael. He's floating above like thousands of shadow figures. He had a silver plate, um, and like a, a sword and a shield. And he was looking down at these shadows as if they were heaven. And he just aimed his sword up into the sky and it starts flying upwards. And as soon as he's flying upwards, my visual changed, and I was looking up at him, and then he looked down upon me, and he's like, keep following the way of the cross. And after this, then it switched to this vision of this black hooded thing, and I could see scales on its pillion eyes, and it, it was screaming at me. Um, now, just to take you back, is that this story here, um, sorry, got my heart in the wrong direction now. <laughs> Um, the story there is that um, we found out that this place was a brothel and the place that we were staying at, um, there was a doctor that was doing uh, abortions on the prostitutes and that the, the babies were buried on the property we were staying on. And the demon thing that was coming through was um, Mullick. And if you know anything about this demon, it's most it's the recipient of child sacrifice. Okay? So when I saw this thing in there playing the Ouija board downstairs and it was dozing off and this hooded thing with the reptilian eyes, the most disturbing part, now, this is probably one of the most disturbing things that I've seen throughout all the years um, of what this appearance of this thing was, is that um, he was wearing basically like a helmet, and the helmet was hands moving, coming out from behind the head, I think about three times on both sides, serving part of they were alive, moving, and they were baby's hands. 
and this thing was screaming at me, you swine, how dare you, and it was yelling at me, and I believe it to be um, that demon uh, for what had actually happened, so I think it was kind of referencing itself and being there and wanting me to let me know that it was there. So, yes, there were definitely things that were there that I was being visited. When you're on a property that has portals, mm-hmm. you're going to be encountering things from places that you've investigated in the past. I mean, I've experienced this so many times. Wow. That's, um, that is pretty crazy. Wow. Because you hear people. Yeah, that is, um, man. But yeah, I mean, I guess when, when like you said, they're, they're dealing, they're doing stuff, they're opening stuff up, but you don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. And it's like, all right, guys, come on, you know, I've got to, I've got to see at some point. You know, like, and um, you know, they were just like, well, how come nothing's happening to us? Because like, I was being like in my bed, I was like, things were whispering in my ear, Ouija. Like, I was having things mocking me, coming to me, or starting to build, and I was having to throw holy water around my bedroom because I like I want to be able to sleep at night and I'm like it's like they're messing with me because they're a lot it's basically they're they're probably allowing more stuff to come in there that they're going to come straight to me and they would ask me well, why is this stuff happening not to us I'm like because they're using you as a tool right now and yeah. I'm the enemy they know that they can use you to come after me but you you can open that invitation and that invitation could be open not today not tomorrow not next month it could be years from now when you have no clue it has to do with anything paranormal, that's when they'll peek their head in and start to nudge you. Like, remember me? You know, but they don't want you to know it's paranormal. They're going yeah. to antagonize, amplify, amplification of any dark emotions that you have, and it's bad, hard, rough part of your life. And then they're going to try to demise you and thrive off and suck your energy and cause havoc and chaos within you and everyone around you. I've been on a case give you an example of a family I did out in West Virginia. I think it was Virginia. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they were having creepy stuff happen in their house. And um, I was downstairs in the basement and started coming through about a Ouija board. And uh, these people didn't do anything. They investigate or nothing. Like they don't even know where this came from. And they told me like 30 years ago in high school, they were playing with the Ouija board and out of nowhere, their son's being visited by a red glowing eyed hooded figure and telling this kid to cut himself. So that's what I'm saying. There's no conception of time. So like if you open that invitation, you don't know when that invitation is going to be open and they can wait very patiently. It's not going to be on your time. It's going to be on their time. And we can only speculate when, how, when, who, (laughs) what now. I I just like, so that's the real delicate danger of what we get ourselves involved with with these things. Yeah, they're they're over there, you know, playing with Ouija board, and nothing, like you said, nothing's happening, and it's like, and like you're you're dealing with the repercussions of what they're what they're going through. They're like, you know, probably like, well, if I could show you how I feel, what's going on, I would let you guys know. If you want stuff to happen to you, I'd be glad to give you some idea of what's been going on with me. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just when you're in a place for that long, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere. Um, you know, it obviously becomes a little worrisome because I'm just like, what? You know, we're already living in a place that's very active. This place is very haunted. <laughs> we don't need to throw ghost blood everywhere and say, hey, guys, let's party blow it out. That's right. Come in the water. You know? When's the sacrifice again? Oh. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, so, I mean, you know, I, like I said, I've been through the muck um, throughout the years of all different types of experiences. And But, I, again, I'm appreciative of everything. I, I mean, I truly love the paranormal, and it, it's a gift to be able to have the experience that I've had, and I'm sure all the ones that we have ourselves. And, you know, it's it's what we do with what what we do with it. You know, is it yeah. good or bad? Is it a representation of darkness? Um, or is it light, which is the representation of what God stands for, unconditional love and forgiveness, and sharing that light out to the world and being an example of what God stands for. So free will choice, uh, grateful for whatever we can experience, because when we die, the cat's out of the bag, and that's why it's this endlessly fascinating mystery each time we go out and investigate the place, because we don't know that one night might be a very defining uh, moment for you um, and unforgettable. So we're almost done with our time. We've got a minute, about a minute left, um, at least on the audio part. The senior will keep going. But I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, what you have coming up, how people can touch with you, um, and everything else you want to add. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I go live every week on TikTok mostly. Um, big investigation go live on YouTube. But my handle is on there, Sean D. Austin, most of my social media. Um we have an awesome, very interesting uh, project coming out 